chapters 13 through 16 of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. This is the first time Brayden's read these chapters, and that's the whole conceit of the podcast. I'm here with Brayden, the aforementioned. I almost I almost had that in the right order, in a way that would make a coherent intro. But I just couldn't quite get there. Brayden, how the heck are you? I am good. I am here. I True. have literally just read these chapters. Um... So it's all fresh in my mind. We've got a lot of stuff to decide whether we care about mm-hmm. or not care about. How are you? You know, I'm good. I've been enjoying this beautiful late summer, early fall kind of weather thing we got going on. Yeah, the weather has been stupid nice. Yeah. It's like one of the four days a year that it is just perfect. Yeah. Like I walked out this morning and it was actually pretty cold. Nice. Like it was, it was chilly this morning, which I like. I'd like a nice, like brisk morning. Mm-hmm. I don't think I. Well, you probably leave earlier than I do, so I haven't experienced that yet. Yeah. So, like I said, we're doing thirteen through sixteen of Order of the Phoenix. Some action-packed chapters. Well, I, not action in the traditional like Marvel movie sense, but not like, really action, but like, yeah, there are things that happen. I mean, like. In each chapter, there's in, none of them are just strictly character building. Right. There's a lot of important dialogue. Um, the plot's rolling along, honestly. The plot's rolling along. Maybe not character building, but certainly character development. Yeah, those are pretty similar in my head. <laughs> what do you mean character development but not building? Like, character building to me is like introduction and like this is who this person is. Okay. And now this is how they're involved in Harry's life. And character development is like, and as it turns out, Umbridge is actually, actually an evil hag. And here's a few chapters on why that is a thing. Yeah, this is just the, everyone wants to hear what, like, what you think about Umbridge episode. Because as you've probably realized now, like today, this Umbridge is one of the mo- more hated characters in the series by far. In terms of just like, you think about her and there's just this visceral like, ugh, like I don't, I don't like you at all. Yeah. So people, she is horrible. I don't want to speak for our listeners, but I would imagine that this has been highly anticipated for at least this whole book, if not the last like book and a half. Like, oh man, just wait till Braden gets to see Umbridge. Just wait till that detention. Really? Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, I hope I don't disappoint then. I mean, she is the literal worst, so. She's so bad. It's like Umbridge, Voldemort, like, I don't know. I mean, I could see, you know, either yeah, way. There's there's an argument for mm-hmm. both. Mm-hmm. I felt literal anger during some of these chapters. Yeah, good. Like there's, I, I there's mean, beef. I wouldn't say that I've been super emotionally invested yet. And like this, this came, like there was some real anger here. Like in the series up to this point. Yeah. This is the yeah. first time that like real visceral just you lose yourself in it and you're like, yeah, Harry, you tell her off. Chapter 13 is called Detention with Dolores. So you can kind of guess what the subject of it is going to be. 
Um, before we get to the detention itself, it's sort of your standard going through the first... Are we still in the first day? First and second day of Harry's year at Hogwarts. We get to go to some different classes. The first point I have is, I don't know if you had any thoughts as to how the school seems to be reacting to the Umbridge fight. We're, I'm right here on page 250, which is like, we've already read 250 pages of this book. <laughs> feels like we just started. And there's people talking about it, a lot of muttering, like, oh, he he says he saw Cedric get murdered. He, he reckons he dueled with you-know-who. Yeah, it's a lot of... And we we started to touch on this in the last episode, but just there's like teams are forming, which is is exactly what the Sorting Hat was warning of. And what um, Voldemort has to want. Yeah, no, I think it's playing right into Voldemort and the Death Eater's hands, and I'm not so sure that he isn't using Umbridge to usher that in. We can talk about that later. I mean, that's like um, explicitly mentioned in the book. Harry's like straight up. Is Umbridge Voldemort? Yeah, which I don't think that she's Voldemort, but I do think that she's under his like mind control stuff. Sure, reasonable. Um, but yeah, it's like the, I mean, you are either um, you're on the team of believing Harry and believing Dumbledore, and like what's interesting to me is a lot of characters who come out in full support of Harry are like often mentioned that their family members have always been longtime Dumbledore supporters. So it's just kind of like, this is what we've always believed and this is what I'm going to believe. So, and then you've got the other team. Yeah. You've got the other team that I feel like has, it was exemplified in these chapters by Percy, um, just of total, Like full fledged, we're we're following Fudge. That was a lot of F's in one sentence. Full fledged Fudge followers. Yeah. So they are more buying into the whole daily profit propaganda. Um. Just a lot more skeptical, starting to believe that Harry's a, Harry's crazy. So it's like it's it's very obvious the divide already and just the teams that are forming and it's I feel like everybody is tense and kind of walking around on eggshells like it just doesn't seem like normal lighthearted happy Hogwarts because it's not yeah like Harry says what I don't get is that they all believe Dumbledore and Hermione's like you're not looking at this right they didn't all believe him they were just told it and then we left and it was kind of thrown into the mix, like, along with, okay, this is what Dumbledore says, but what the Daily Prophet says. And it seems like people, it's too hard to actually figure things out and think for themselves. So it's like you said, they're just picking someone to believe and then following them blindly. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, to be fair, like, what else are they supposed to do? Yeah. Because no one's willing to divulge any information on either side. We haven't even heard, have we the only contact we've had with Dumbledore in this entire, in, in 250 pages is him showing up with some slick lawyer moves, mm-hmm. not even speaking to Harry and then just leaves. I mean, Harry is willing to speak truth in terms of his interactions with Umbridge already. The times he was seen him get in trouble, he's like saying things about Cedric being murdered and 
Yeah, but even that, like, after just reading chapter 16, like, he's not super... He's like, I've said my piece. I don't need to repeat myself. That's true. Which is like, you know, when? Can you point me to when you said it, Harry? Right. That's kind of how I was feeling when I read it. Is like, I don't know, man. It seems like if you really want people to see your side of the story, you should be willing to, to share that side. Yeah. And I know that that comes at a cost right now, especially with Umbridge prowling the halls. But like, And having to relive it himself. Yeah, you got to think that a lot of his classmates are like, they don't know what actually happened. They know that Cedric died. They know that Harry emerged. They know that Dumbledore said what he said at the, the last feast at the end of the year or whatever. And then they know that daily, the, what the Daily Prophet is pushing and what Fudge and the Ministry are pushing. So, I mean, I try to put myself in those shoes. Like if I'm in high school or middle school and something traumatic happens like this and like the principal is telling us one thing, but then like the administration is going to like the local media to tell another story and like basically calling them liars. Like what would I do as a student? You want to believe your principal, but it's like the administration are like higher ups. So am I supposed to believe them? I don't know. You just find whatever Tom Lutz is doing and you follow that. Exactly. I didn't feel like it even needed to be said, but right. I'm glad that you did because there's probably people <laughs> out there who don't know Lom Toots. I, I like that every time I say Tom Lutz, you say Lom Toots and that's it. Like we're just, we just move on. Yep. Um, Again, that's all that needs said. So this is, man, this is a long chapter. Um, we go to some classes there's there's just there's a lot of homework being done in this stretch of the book. Did you step back from it and feel the same way? A lot of essays being written. A lot of like yeah, they're copying things like di- copying down diagrams for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so far it seems to be lining up with what Fred and George kind of laid out for them that the fifth year is. It's just um, seems like the teaching staff is kind of the goal of this year is like, okay, you've been here five years. Like, let's see what you've learned and let's put you to the test a little bit. Yeah, they really are. And, and we're hearing more about it than we have in previous years from a narrative standpoint, which is rough timing considering what's going on in the background here for Harry. And, um, well, I mean, Ron and Hermione are just as involved too. So, is there anything from the classes themselves you wanted to touch on specifically? Anything that stuck out to you? I don't know when you read this chapter exactly, but I mean, we've got Transfiguration. We've got Care of Magical Creatures. We've got, um, do we have charms today? We have charms. Um, I did want to touch on Care of Magical Creatures a little bit just Mm -hmm. because Harry's like, Hey, you're, Hagrid subbed. Are you going to tell me things? She's like, no, I, I'm not. Oh, and then the Malfoy aspect. Because I don't think she knows anything either. On 259, Malfoy does his Malfoy thing. What Do you do? You put any stock in that? Maybe the stupid oh, great host got yeah. himself badly injured. Maybe he's been messing with stuff that's too big for him, if you get my drift. Yeah, I didn't know. 
Like, I don't feel like that's just put in there for nothing by JKR, but um, you would have to think that Lucius Malfoy is behind the scenes in all this being used in a similar role that Haggard would be by Dumbledore, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Voldemort probably was like, all right, Lucius, Lucius, however you're supposed to say it. Um, Either way. You know, you want to prove your loyalty to me, go out and find Hagrid. And make sure he doesn't succeed with whatever Dumbledore's got him doing. Yeah, someone's got to be know. doing that. Yeah. So, I don't know what these things are that are too big for him. Because I thought he was going out to reach the giant population. Yeah, you've posited that theory previously. Things that are bigger than him would be dragons. Well, you got to remember that's that really all I can think of. Hagrid is a half giant by blood. He's uh, half yeah. human, so so he's not giants, even as big. Correct. Yeah. Full giants are bigger than him. Okay, so that theory could still be in play. Sure. Yeah, dra- and I mean, we know that makes sense too. Right, but we know from previous conversations that I think was it Dumbledore who was worried about Voldemort going after the giants. Yeah. Like trying to get, trying to recruit them, mm-hmm. basically. So, I mean, he says something to Fudge, like you have to send an envoy to the Giants now to get there before Dumbledore, before Voldemort does. Fudge is like, "What Giants? I can't." You kn- public relations. Yeah. So, I think that's where he is. I don't know why he would be in trouble, other than if Lucius Malfoy got there first. Yeah, that's true. So. But even then, that doesn't make sense to me because they're going to see Hagrid and they're going to be like, oh, we know Hagrid. Yeah, I get Right? Yeah. I mean, like, he he would look like a descendant. Right. Not as big, but surely somebody in the village would recognize him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or his and mom hopefully or something. Lucius. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anything else you want to touch on before we get to detention itself? I don't think so. I mean, detention is the big deal in this chapter. So Yeah, so, I mean, at this point, I don't really have a lot of other points after this in the chapter. It's just kind of your floor. What do you think about? What, what's your understanding of what's going on? What do you think about it? What are the implications? So, detention, to me, is... Detention, to me, is ran by Voldemort. Because I think that Umbridge is controlled by Voldemort. And Voldemort is smart enough to know that he can't just, like, kill Harry in detention. Right. And he can't, like... He can't do anything super drastic that would be noticeable by a lot of people but something as subtle yet painful as etching words that aren't true into his hand over and over and over like that's it's almost like chinese water torture so when we get to the point where this episode is being released that one of my favorite harry potter memes of all time will be able to apply to this Are you familiar with the Arthur meme? I'm not familiar with the Arthur (sighs) meme. That's not helpful then. Okay, you'll just have to see it. Can I look up the Arthur meme? 
Yeah, I mean, it's is just that, a big, you know, Ar- you know, Arthur, like the aardvark from TV show Arthur. Oh yeah, I thought you were talking Arthur Weasley. No, where he, it's like just like him being mad about stuff and like balling up his fists. And so the meme is like when yeah. someone yeah it's and so it's that it's that but it's like when you have when you have to go to detention for telling the truth about Voldemort or something and so someone like scratched I must not tell lies under his fist and like it all <laughs> just works so well <laughs> like when they call you a liar when you're telling the truth about Voldemort returning <laughs> it's really good yeah, I think they're are... like wizard robes. Yeah, I was going to say there are like striking similarities between Arthur the Aardvark and Harry Potter. So <laughs> So he's scratching in. I just how it works, I don't fundamentally like you're just putting a dry quill on paper and you just start scratching the paper. Right. And blood is coming out of the quill? I guess I I guess I'm kind of annoyed with Dumbledore during this. You could say I'm a little beefy. That he's not stepping in. Well, just that, like, I would say it's fair to infer that the entire teaching staff is probably super skeptical of Umbridge. Sure. Right? Yes. So, it, it has to be common knowledge that Harry is in detention with her. I would think. It seems like everyone, all the students seem to know about it. Right. So in my mind, either Her- either Dumbledore or McGonagall should be thinking, hmm, the one that Voldemort is out to kill and who the ministry wants to silence is going to be in detention five nights this week by himself with this lady that we are super skeptical of. Maybe... I don't know, spitballing here, we should send somebody down there just to make sure he's okay every now and then. Yeah. Or send Filch in there to kind of burst in and act like he's cleaning or something and just make sure that <laughs> Harry's not bleeding from his hands or anything like yeah. that. Maybe. I mean, McGonagall says something to, I don't know if it's Harry or Ron, that's like, well, she's his teacher. She has every right to give him detention. And that's like as far as it goes with her. Oh, it's because they're trying to get her to let him off for Quidditch tryouts. Yeah. And so I guess they yeah, are I'd... just, in their heads, they're like, well, you know, it's detention. And, like, that stinks, but we wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't assume that she would use physical violence on a student. She knows. I the think rules. that's stupid. She's a, she's a really... government official. That's super dim and stupid. I'm very disappointed in them. It's naive, I guess. Yeah. Um, An underrated... I mean, like, I don't have a beef sound to make here, but, like, can a brother get a time limit on a detention? Can can we get a time... Can we say detention's going to be two hours long or three hours long? Harry's in detention for, like, seven hours. That's what I mean, though. What's so... Can I get some regu- can I get a little about regulation? about that's what I'm saying. This feels like Quidditch. Yeah. And especially, like I was saying, like the, I mean, I don't, I think that Ron and Hermione are super important and that every student there is important, but Harry's your most important student right now in terms of who is, whose life is in danger. Yeah. He's the one that everybody wants to know where he's at at all times. Mm -hmm. 
So you're just going to send him in with a member of the ministry by himself five nights a week. No idea how long he can be in there. Like, does Mad Eye Moody get it? Like, if he if he heard about this, he'd be like, are you guys serious? You don't put, lock him in a room alone with the enemy. He needs a bodyguard. Exactly. you got to have eyes on this situation. Sirius would say that. Yep. Moody would say that. Yep, Lupin. Molly Weasley would say that. Lupin would oh, yeah, Molly's, say that. Oh, yeah, Molly's got to be very concerned about his health and safety. Absolutely. So, I'm, yeah, I think McGonagall genuinely, like, is probably just doing whatever Dumbledore says, but, like, why is Dumbledore allowing this to happen? Why does he not have any more concern? Right. It's a good I'm question. Disappointed. Um, what do you think about the phrase Harry is being made to write here? I must not tell lies. Does that have any significance to you? Were you... Is that what you thought she was going to make him write when you heard he was doing lines? Yeah, I knew. I thought it would be something along the lines of like trying to beat it into his brain that Voldemort's not back. She has this obsession with, she's decided, well, my angle is that he's attention-seeking. I'll just say that he's saying this stuff because he's seeking attention. Yeah. With, like, there's no basis for that. She hasn't talked to him once, like, one-on-one. She makes no effort to actually find out what's going on. It's just like, oh, you're just saying that to get attention. Yeah. Yeah, I'd... Does it make you... Are you getting mad? Yeah, like, I don't... This isn't good podcast material because it's making me speechless mad. What if I played Where, the Braden's Beef sound? Would that help? Well, I've already been beefing for, like, the last five minutes, so I think you kind of missed it. Blah, 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 blah. Braden's Beef! I mean, I don't think there are any rules on, like, when the beef sound has to come in. It can it can curtail a very long and... and beefy beef so and i'm just you know looking ahead i'm assuming there's going to be some more beeves with v with a v yeah beeves yeah like hooves yeah (laughs) like wolves yeah wolves once we get to the high inquisitor um there are like this is such a long chapter there's a couple other things that happen even after um the original detention is described we just get a lot more of like oh Harry had to write these papers, and that was hard. But we find out that Ron is trying out for the Quidditch team. Which I love. I think I called for that last episode. You did, yeah. I you were right on the about money that. with that. Mm-hmm. I, am, I am genuinely happy for Ron. Um, I can't speak like from innocence, because I know what happens with the tryout, but I was like, Man, he's got to make the team. This yeah. is going to crush me if he doesn't make the team. That would be when I was reading wild this. if J.K.R. had him try out and then he got cut. I, I kind of would have respected J.K.R. just for like going that far out on the limb of like, I had you all going. You all thought Ron and Harry were going to be like Quidditch buds. Nope. Gotcha. Just crushing his spirits. Turn a knife a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But she didn't. No. Spoiler alerts. And then the only other thing I wanted to mention here before we get to the next chapter is that Harry spends quite a while trying to hide this from people. He gets he doesn't tell Ron and Hermione immediately what's going on. Ron has to notice it. 
And then he get they get a lot of go tell McGonagall, go tell Dumbledore. Because even like what you were saying was they should have guessed that Umbridge was going to do something like this, right? Yeah. They should have been more vigilant. Yeah. But now that we have yeah. evidence, that's kind of another thing. Now it's like you should go tell them it's happening. It's not like maybe it'll happen. It's like this has been happening. You have physical evidence. Yeah, I think it's annoying that Harry doesn't want to... Like, what's he proving by hiding that from anybody? Yeah, but two, exactly. I'm still more. I'm I'm still annoyed with. Okay, if you don't want to send somebody in on the detention out of, I guess, respect for Umbridge, whatever. Somebody like McGonagall should be following up with Harry after these detention sessions. Like, hey, was anything weird said? Are they trying to brainwash you? Are they Are they making you? Have they? Has there been any physical contact? Because there should be zero. I mean, yeah. Just the it, lack of concern for this is said. like is crazy. It gets back to what you said of like what's Harry trying to prove? Is this just a pride thing? He seems like yeah. it seems like a pettiness thing with, with the Dumbledore aspect of it. Like, oh if Dumbledore was interested in me all summer, if he won't talk to me, like I'm not gonna bring this in front of him. Like this isn't how I break the silence, is by running to him begging. Which is totally fine if he wants to keep something like, you know, what's been going on in the classroom. If he's like, if he wants to be petty about that, okay, whatever. This lady is etching words into your skin and making you bleed for hours. But technically, she's maintaining plausible deniability. She hasn't laid a finger on him. She's making him etch it into his own skin. Is that better or worse? I don't think it matters. She is leading the detention and Harry wouldn't do that to himself. So there's no like explanation needed. Harry just has to go to somebody and be like, Hey, this is my hand. I didn't do this to myself and I was in detention and I had to write this 40,000 times and this is what it did to my hand. So I'm I'm just saying from a legal standpoint, if she's confronted, can she be like, I didn't touch him. He did it to himself. Can she claim... Does she have any kind of claim like that? Um, probably. They probably couldn't like press charges or something, but they could at least be like, "Hey, I don't, I don't think we're gonna have him in detention with you, or, or maybe f- tomorrow night. Like, we're gonna have, we'd like to have another teacher in there. Let's just, just, just to for give you, you know, a break, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's a long detention. Can. Can I get so a three, can I get a time limit? Snape. Can I get a three hour cap on a detention? And so I guess now that I'm saying that in their first year they just went at midnight into the forest and they were like, come back sometime. So <laughs> that doesn't imply that there's a necessarily a cap on it. But that doesn't that's not logical to me either. So Yeah, it's I feel like the entire magical world, you are expected to become an adult real quick. Yeah, I mean, that's just, that's Britain maybe? It's the stiff upper lip? Yeah. I I wouldn't know. I don't know that much about their culture. Is that kind of a, a theme in British culture is like... I mean, I, what I know about grow it up is quick. reading Harry Potter. Okay. I mean, I guess. Like, I've seen Christopher Robin... The Winnie the Pooh. Movie. Ooh, Hannah and I just watched that. Oh man, I'm not. I'm. I'll be real with you. Like I cried. Like it, it was real. 
it was emotional for sure. It was a well, it was a well done movie. Hannah was kind of like, Hey, I want to watch this. And I was kind of like, okay, whatever. I used to be a Winnie the Pooh fan. This will be fine. And it was really good. And you're right. It was emotional. There was heft. Oh, exponential heft. Yeah. I mean, and we're not going to spoil anything if you haven't seen it, but I mean, I think you can see the themes of having to grow up and, you know, put a, put aside the childish things with both, you know, in the past and present, I guess. Yeah, it made me miss my childhood more than I ever thought I had the capacity to. Right, right. And I, so I if you have like thoughts about this, toys as a kid. Yeah. Oh yeah. How? As a listener, if you have thoughts about this, nine seven eight seven six eight eight three seven zero. Come on the pod. Our board actually got an upgrade, where if there's some software upgrade stuff that happened, I'm told. I don't know, but if we if someone calls in, say there's like three of us recording, you and Jacob are talking about, you know the Colts playoff chances or whatever. And then Logan calls in. I can like mute myself from being recorded, but like talk to Logan, like, okay, here's what's going on and like catch him up to speed and then launch all four of us in at the same time. So I'm trying to figure out if there's some way we can do a live pod and like have callers come in and drop out like a real radio show, you know, I want that desperately. I know. And it doesn't help that, uh, that at work now we listen to Sirius radio, like pulse or whatever. And so I hear a lot of, I mean, I've been hearing that and they take callers, just how they handle it. I listen to it every day. Yeah. I I listen to the, the indie sports, like 1070, the fan. Yeah. Um, so they do like a morning session with, uh, I think it's Greg and big Joe or something. That show recently changed. It's not good anymore. And then they do like an hour and the douche, (laughs) the douche, um, the douche um and then it's dan levitard for an hour dan dockage for three hours oh no and that was jmb for three hours roller coaster of how much i'm interested in listening to these people it's an entertaining day and dan dockage is a totally different beast it does come from one end of the spectrum to the other there all over the lunch hour and i like both of it interesting we'll talk yeah. about that later i don't i actually don't have know enough about doc itch to have like really well-informed opinions but i know that yeah i agree other end of the spectrum yeah um okay chapter 14 percy and patfoot oh i've got some do we cares so i most of the do we cares actually come from that first chapter so I'm going to break it up a little bit. I'm just going to give a few of them, and then we'll mix them in later. Mm-hmm. Do we care? These are things that come out of the classes, basically. So okay. potions class is all about moonstones. Do we care about moonstones? Uh, I did notice that they got mentioned quite a bit. I feel like those are one of those things that like Hermione is going to be thinking about throughout the whole story, and like we didn't know about it. And then at the end, she's going to be like, and it was a moonstone. That's how Voldemort was in Umbridge's body. Yeah. And we're going to be like, oh, um, Hermione's the MVP again. 
Um, a couple charms. Do we care about summoning charm, vanishing charm? Those were specifically mentioned in Charms and Transfiguration. Vanishing spell, I guess. Seems like they, that would come in use miles beneath the school at the end of the book. Do we care about the giant wars mentioned in History of Magic? I'll be honest, I don't remember much about that. Okay, so that's a no. Do we care about bow truckles? An initial reading, no. Okay. Moving on, chapter 14. I only have four points for this one, so maybe we can make good time here. Not that we're trying to rush through listeners, but, I mean, we can't spend two hours in the evening just chit-chatting Harry Potter. Now that I say that, though, I want to. Okay. Percy and Percy and Padfoot. So we open up with Harry going up to the Owlery. The, the Owlery. The owl, Owlery. I've always said the owl, Owlery. Owl, I've always said Owlery, but now I'm... Owlery. Second-guessing it. Harry writes a letter to Sirius, and he hangs out in the Owlery with Cho. Do you have thoughts? It seems like with every interaction, their love for each other grows. Something's growing. It's their love. Their love is growing. Uh, oh, no. For each other. What did you think of Harry's encoded letter that he tried to kind of write in a way that it wouldn't be understood by anyone that intercepted it? Pretty cunning for a 14-year-old. I was impressed. 15. 15-year-old. He just turned 15, so it's fair. Yeah, it's pretty good, and it's not detailed. You're not going to get a lot from it. You're just going to get that he's concerned, what he's concerned about, like what the sure. concerns are. Sure. Um, we move on from that to Quidditch practice. Do you have thoughts on Ron's first Quidditch practice? That This is where Ron... Misses a bunch of catches and like yeah pegs Alicia in the face. I mean, you had to know that Ron was going to struggle a little bit at first. Um, I guess it would seem way too good to be true if J.K.R. wrote Ron's character as like, and then he came in and he was the best keeper of all time. Yeah, which is what she did with Harry. Right. You can't do that twice. She would lose me, I think, as a reader. Um but I like it. I think it'll be fun because we'll get to watch Ron improve, hopefully. And then, like, maybe there'll be some awesome climactic moment of, like, Ron making the game-winning save or something at the end of the book. I oh, don't know. Yeah, right. That would be that would make sense as a story arc. The yeah. Slytherins in the stands, really? Like, come on. Here's a question I have. Why do the Slytherins never have anything to do but walk around and, like, be douche to people? Yeah, I mean, you'd, th- you'd think they're getting the same amount of homework. Right, so they just, like, like how does, I know Malfoy's not as smart as Hermione. I know that. Facts. It hasn't been explicitly stated to me, but I know it. It would have to have been explicitly stated that he was as smart as her if it was true. Right. So the only person that should have that kind of downtime to go around and just make fun of people, just like, to, to pass time, should be Hermione. Which I would pay to see. Like, yes. that's so out of her character, and it would be amazing. So, like, what the heck are the Slytherins doing? How are they passing any of their classes? 
not clear. Maybe Snape is leaning on the teachers to cushion their grades or maybe they know some sort of like dark charm that Lucy has taught them or something. Like here's how you change the grade book. Yeah. I don't know. So we go to Quidditch practice. We're mostly concerned with Ron's performance. Um, and then 296, if you're turning in your pew Bibles here, we've got Percy's letter, which is longer than I remembered it being. Super long. It's like two and a half pages. What are the high, What were the highlights for you? What stuck out about this letter? Where did it touch your heart? Um, this made me almost equally as mad as like Umbridge in these four chapters. Um, because frankly, right now, Percy is on that kind of level for me. Like after reading this, after reading this, Percy is the enemy. Like he may as well be a death eater for me. There's no more benefit of the doubt. No. Cause I mean, it's like there's, there's no... This is what people are saying about Harry. It just it's like this is what's true. And if you're not on board, then just you may as well be an idiot like mom and dad. And so quit hanging around with Harry. I know he's your best friend and all, but he's a liar and one day hopefully like mom and dad will be as smart as me and they'll apologize to me. It's like just the arrogance is like dripping from this letter. It's it's wildly arrogant. Oh man. He is a tool. Like, Percy sucks. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Seriously, Ron, you do not want to be tarred with the same brush as Potter. It could be very damaging to your future prospects, and I'm talking about life after school, too. Like, he somehow just grew up and was only concerned about, like, social status and wealth. Like, that was all, all he wanted to do was get more power. Right. Which, how much older is he than Ron and Harry? uh, Yeah, Ron and Harry. He is like the equivalent of a ninth year right now. So he's four years older. Okay, that's probably a little older than I had it in my head, I guess. But still, like, just the way he speaks from, like, I've had all these years of life experience that you just, you don't even know about yet. It just makes him douchier. Oh my gosh. Like, he, at this point in time, I don't think that he is under the control of, like, Voldemort yet. I could be completely wrong about that, and that would be fun at the end if I learn that he is. But I almost have, like, more feelings of hatred for him at times throughout these chapters than Umbridge, because, like, Umbridge, I try to keep in mind that, like, in my mind, she is being controlled by Voldemort. So, yeah. like, I still hate the character, but it's, like, it's Voldemort to me. I don't feel that way about Percy. I feel like he's just so ate up with social status and wealth and, like, reputation and outward appearance that that's the motivation and drive behind all this, which is just disgusting. to take the digs that he does at his own parents who we know stone cold are, are just such decent, good people. 
is wild. Yeah, it's like, yeah, reading this was almost hard to stomach at like, and I, re- which I really love Ron's response to it. He, he's just like, I'm flushing this out of my mind and heart. Like he's dead to me. I hate him. And I'm just moving on. Well, not only that, but I felt like Harry really needed that in that moment. Because he's been hearing the whispers. He's been like seeing people, you know, kind of and hearing the little bits and pieces of the speculation about him. But this was a two and a half page like, hey, Harry's crazy and you got to get out of there while you still can. So like that had to have hit home and really hurt. And so Ron's like ripping up with a letter and throwing it, throwing it in the fire. I felt like was awesome just for Harry's confidence and like their friendship as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we go from Percy pretty quickly to serious. So same deal highlights from the serious conversation, things that are sticking with you. Highlights from the serious conversation that are sticking with me. Yeah, I mean, we're like st- when he's in the fire. Yes, we're on page three hundred one. I didn't like how it ended. Um, it. I don't know. It was like a weird division between Harry and Sirius that we hadn't seen yet. Like the whole line, like you're not like you're not as much like your dad as I thought you were. That's a little harsh. Didn't really love that from Sirius. We gotta try to keep in mind everything. Every emotion for Sirius is just ratcheted up to ten because he's just right. so stuck. This is all right. that he has. Like he's pouring all of his emotion and time into thinking about Harry. Sure. So we're seeing what's really, really in, like, what he's thinking, like, deeply. Because this is mm-hmm. the only human interaction he has. Yeah. Yeah, I should probably give him a little more leeway. Um, but I'm, I'm trying, I mean, Harry's in a really fragile state right now, too. So. Yeah, true. Yeah, I mean, Sirius isn't exactly being responsible or mature. No. He's putting like, Harry in the position of having to, like, think about safety. Right. It's just, I don't know. We went from such a high with the response from Ron with that letter to like, to that. And I just, I hated the timing of it, I guess. So. That takes us to chapter 15, the Hogwarts High Inquisitor. So Hogwarts High Inquisitor, this starts with a big, another long sort of article in the Daily Prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, what is a high inquisitor? Why is it umbridge? And how do you feel about it? Oh no, we have some do we cares. Okay. Do we care about the elf hat situation? That Hermione's knitting. I don't personally I haven't been paying that much attention to Hermione's like elf stuff 
but I feel like it gets mentioned enough that like we're going to end up caring. I feel like that's been my response to all your do you cares. And I don't mean for it to be a generic like, well, I don't care, but I know that I will. Um, it's hedging your bets, which is we don't want that. We want a firm yes or no. Okay, I don't care about elf clothes. Good. Okay, don't care about elf clothes. Do we care? We had to talk about the Slytherins and their taunts. Um, this is kind of a general one. Do we care about homework? Are we like, yeah, here's got to get his homework done. Do we think we should be putting less stock in that? Um. No. There are much more important things at stake right now and things to be worried about, so no. Okay. They'll get it figured out. They'll turn it in and it'll be fine. This may not be a banner year for their grades, but they'll be fine. Do we care about the subplot of Hermione versus the twins? We get a little bit more of that here and there with the twins in terms of the candy oh, prefect testing, stuff. Yeah. snack boxes stuff, yeah. Yeah, um, I care a little bit because it, to me, you do not want to be, you don't want Fred and George's enemies. Like you want those guys on your side. You don't have to like them, but you want to keep them on your side. And I don't think Hermione gets that, or, or at least yet. And I feel like that might come back to bite her. I'm just waiting. It's like, am I under arrest, officer? Like what rule have I broken? I'm waiting for that. But it was interesting how she went to like, oh, I'm not going to put you in detention. I'm going to write your mom. Yeah, she went for the home run there. That's real. Like, you don't just do that casually. Yeah. Okay, Hogwarts High Inquisitor. What's going on with that? Professor Umbridge is basically takes on the role of like your high school principal that just like floats into a classroom to make sure a teacher is actually doing his job except she does it for every teacher and she's super condescending scribbling a bunch of notes basically asking except it's not like I don't think it's an honest review of the educational experience in that classroom it's like here's let me go review all the people that Dumbledore has hired and let me write down why that was a terrible decision because like she's asking all these professors like how long you've been here and oh you were hired by, hired by Dumbledore right and yeah trying to get a gauge as to where their loyalties are how loyal are they to the ministry how easy is it going to be to manipulate them right right i don't know i feel like she's a spy i was going to say what's your concept of how much power she has ultimately way too much where can what's the what's the end game as far as like the most extreme thing you, where you could see this going? Um, I think it becomes, and I think this gets mentioned either by like Hermione or Ron, but like I feel like it's going to get to the point where if you don't comply with her, show any kind of support for Dumbledore, you'll just be like you're gone, get out. Like she'll, I feel like she'll get the power to rewrite not just her curriculum for Defense Against the Dark Arts, but like everyone's curriculum and what should be taught. Which seems wild because like a lot of these teachers have to be respected in the wizarding community. 
like Flitwick and McGonagall and Sprout have taught every adult wizard out there, all these kids' parents. So there's only so much you can do as far right. as forcing them out before people are like, okay, really? Like all of these people that I have really strong, specific memories of being good people, you're saying are all terrible teachers. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm sure he's just biding his time waiting for the right moment, but I'm starting to get a little annoyed with the lack of Dumbledore presence. Yeah. Because it's like that's the trump card that we need to be bringing in here. Which I think is the idea that JKR is... I think that's the point. I think this like impatience that I'm dealing with is like designed for the reader, I would assume. So our first class that Umbridge, what's the word, inspects is Divination with Trelawney. And I like that Harry is like not sure which side to be on because he does hate Trelawney, but does he hate Umbridge more? Yeah, this was an interesting moment because I was feeling the same thing before like JKR spelled out that Harry was feeling that. Because I've, I think, I mean, you've asked me in like a lot of do we cares if I care about Trelawney and I don't. And I'll continue to be stubborn about that until I need to care about Trelawney. But like, this was the first moment where I was like, sort of on her team. So it was kind of fun for me as the reader to like, think and feel that and then read that Harry was thinking and feeling the same thing. Like normally it's, I read what Harry's thinking and feeling and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's how I would feel or that makes sense. But it was like, it was echoed by Harry's thoughts and feelings. It's like driving so fast that you're outstripping your own headlights. Yeah. Does that make sense? It made sense in my head. Next class that is inspected. Oh, next we go to defense against the dark arts class again. on page 316. And Harry gets detention again. Oh, this time because Hermione gets five points taken away from her for having read the whole textbook already. And then Umbridge yells at Harry, oh, for insulting Quirrell. And like, I'm sorry. Is this just not a known fact that Quirrell had a had a Voldemort head? <laughs> uh, it's just it's crazy. But it, by by Harry saying that, he's implying that Voldemort's alive. So just you know, stop even talking about that. The blindness and just like propensity to treat them like they are five-year-olds is is almost comical to me. But, I mean, it makes sense that if, from your perspective, as far as you're concerned, it's an act because she is just supporting Voldemort at this point. Like, she's being controlled by Voldemort, and so it, would, it makes sense that she's, in that way, it makes sense. She's, and there's no other real way to justify in your head how she's acting. Like, is there a scenario where she's just 
so sort of Percy-ish, like ministry-obsessed, loyalty-to-fudge-obsessed, and like doesn't actually support Voldemort, but like buys the fudge line about Dumbledore. Like what did Sirius say? Dumbledore is raising an army, and that's what fudge is afraid of. Yeah, I hadn't considered that until that became like that got mentioned i can't remember where at but that there are rumors out there that fudge has an army and then there are rumors that dumbledore is then trying to build an army through the students by like teaching them defense against the dark arts and so the ministry is trying to squash that by just making them read books and not actually learn spells and so i could see that i mean that like She's just a fudge supporter who is afraid of Dumbledore. But would have to be so blind for that to be the case. I guess where I lose faith in that theory is like the the detention, the like scratch, like the smile on her face when Harry's in pain. Yeah. Yeah. And then obviously the whole burning of the scar when she touches him, like She's connected to Voldemort somehow. Yeah, that kind of gets us to... I mean, we don't want to necessarily skip straight over the glory that is her inspecting McGonagall in Transfiguration. Yeah, that is an awesome scene. Where she's just like, I'm sorry. Do you want to see me teach or do you want to keep interrupting me? I loved it. I loved every minute of it. And then, so after that is when we get to detention again. And we Which is just more writing yeah. with blood hands, right? Yeah. And, but that's like you said, when she touches Harry and he thinks that she's being controlled by Voldemort. Yeah. I'm not finding what page that's on. Anyway, um, we wrap up the chapter with a conversation about Harry becoming their de facto defense against the Dark Arts professor. Was Is this workaround something that you had considered? It's not. I had never considered that. I think it's a... Once you hear Hermione say it out loud, it's a very logical idea. Like, defense against the dark arts, who has the most real experience with needing to defend against the dark arts? Harry, who has defended himself against the dark lord himself. So, like, it's interesting. Like, he doesn't have the knowledge that, like, a Moody or a Lupin does, but he's got years not years, but like the experience he's gained having to face off with Voldemort in the last three or four years is like, I would argue probably surpasses anybody like Moody or, or Lupin. So yeah. I mean, when you're faced yeah. with you just continuing to go week to week with Umbridge's BS textbook droning or talk to the guy who's actually defended himself against Voldemort, Makes sense. Yeah, I wonder how much of it is 
him being him actually being an objectively excellent resource versus him just being the best they've got. I mean, if it's almost the same. Oh, I think it's like, definitely the best they've got right now. Yeah, like who else? Because he's you, not a who teacher. Else could you go to? Yeah. Right, right. He's not going to be able to like think through good lesson plans or like here's how I should introduce this stuff in stages. Um. But he's gonna be like, hey, this is what happened when I was with Voldemort, and here's how I defended it. And here's how we can work on you being able to make a Patronus or that kind of thing. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, you're pretty much on board. And I mean, obviously you've read the next chapter. Like, you know that they start going ahead with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's interesting to hear him and Hermione go back and forth because he does re- raise valid points about the luck and help involved. Right. Like, half of it is him and half of it is Fox. Yeah, and I'm glad that he acknowledged that because... I mean, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, as, like, fans of Harry Potter, like, it isn't that he's an extraordinary wizard. Like, he's had some some really good breaks at the right time. He's extraordinarily brave. Like, the love of Lily Potter but I wouldn't say that he's been able to escape Voldemort because of his like extraordinary wizarding skills. He is skilled, but he's caught some good breaks too. Yeah, I mean, like if we were going to go based on who has the most knowledge of spells and theory, then we would go with Hermione. Like, we're acknowledging that right. he has more of a blend of those things, but also the real-world experience. Sure. So, um, Do we care about their grades? You kind of talked about this, pretty much said you don't. Not really. You're not like, oh, Harry better get Although all I do care those. that, like, Harry got the worst grade, it sounds like. Do you care about the the different kinds of grades. It's not A, B, C, D, E. Can you can you list for me what uh, the best grades the grades are best to worst? E, which is like exceeds expectation. Yep. A is acceptable. Uh-huh. I don't know if there's an F. Is F like fair? I know P is poor. Uh-huh. D is dreadful. I think Fred or George says jokingly that like T is troll. Yeah, and it's like, is that a joke? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I couldn't tell. You did. Am miss, I missing? You missed one. E for exceeds expectations is the second best you can get. There's one above that. Oh. Yeah, you were good. Oh, for outstanding. Hmm. That's what I meant. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, do we care about Alicia's nosebleed? Uh, yeah, because that means that Fred and George's, um, stuff they're working on isn't right yet. I always kind of got the impression that... It actually has... No, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. You go ahead. Uh, it actually... I think it's like, it makes it go way worse, right? Like, she's 
they end up taking her to the hospital wing because like her she's bleeding profusely from her nose so like they've got their stuff turned way too far up so what i've always how i've always read that is that they accidentally gave her the one that makes your nose bleed and didn't give her the one that stops your nosebleed because it's like a two-ended capsule thing. It's like a Dr. Gotcha. Mario pill. Yeah. You can imagine that falling down and you're supposed to eat the orange end and they gave her the purple end or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they're like, oh, crap. But it should at least let them realize, like, we maybe need to package this a little should, more clearly. should package it a little clearly, a little more clearly. Maybe, maybe dial back the quantity of blood yeah. that is... Yeah, I'm sure. Like part of it is that she was already bleeding, and so it just exacerbated it. Sure. All right, that takes us to chapter 16 in the Hog's Head. Kind of a uh, fun turning point chapter here. We get to hear mm-hmm. from a lot of people, like dialogue that we don't hear from a lot, and I like that. We get to a, go to a right. new location, and it feels. Does it feel to you like the start of something? Once we finish this chapter up. Like, okay, this is happening. Yeah, it does kind of feel like, um, you know, we're talking about at the start of this episode, just the formation of teams. And I feel like this is a team that I did not see coming, but it's like, if you're going to come to these like classes, air quotes, that Harry's putting on, like you're all in on his team. Like, There's really no, because I mean, if you get caught, you're, you're done in terms of with, you know, the ministry. So. Yeah. So a couple of questions I've got for you here. Um, before we get into the meeting itself, did you have any thoughts on the hog's head, the location that they're in or on, uh, kind of the introduction, like how this came about, like how Hermione went and talked to people, any of that kind of thing. Well, I think um, I understand where Hermione's coming from with like if we meet at the Hogshead, nobody will probably be able to like nobody that we go to class with and stuff or or teachers would probably be there. But I feel like it's also the kind of dark, dingy place that like dark wizards would hang out. So it doesn't seem super bright to me. Like Harry mentions like the one gray-haired looking dude that kind of looks familiar in there or whatever like that kind of stuff is i feel like somebody's in there listening yeah because ron's like oh maybe that's umbridge under in that like hag's cloak and she's like eh, it's too tall to be umbridge which is pretty yeah, cavalier that it seems could be one of umbridge's spies or whatever to me that seemed that seemed even just as risky as like meeting in a place where other students are because you could at least disguise that as like well it's it's just a special study group for a class go away you know so yeah what do you think about that aspect in terms of are, is this something that they could get in trouble for if umbridge found out they were doing it what's the, what's the culpability uh, yeah. factor here yeah it's like this is against a rule that she'll make up yeah, because there's not a real rule. Like, Hermione's already checked that out, but it's... It violates the spirit of the law only in so much as the spirit of the law is whatever Umbridge wants. Well, and I mean, it comes directly against the whole entire reason that Umbridge is there yeah. to, like, squash the entire narrative that that Voldemort's alive and Harry defended himself against him. So... 
by all of these students acknowledging that Harry did and want to learn from his experience, I mean, that's that's exactly what the ministry doesn't want. Because so. it implies that his experience is valid. Right. Uh, as far as the meeting itself, we've got Hermione's speech. Um, any thoughts on who all shows up? Surprises? Surprising omissions? Um, Zachariah Smith, I'm pretty skeptical of. Don't feel like he's all in. Um, I was kind of surprised that Cho was there. Kind of surprised, kind of not. Like, she probably came for Harry, but... Um... Wasn't really surprised that Neville came. I'm trying to read through the names here. First, uh, I'm on the bottom of 337 here. First came Neville with Dean and Lavender, who were closely followed by Parvati and Padma Patil. Cho and one of her usually giggling girlfriends. Then Luna Lovegood, then Katie Bell, Alicia Spinnett, Angelina Johnson, Colin Dennis Creevy. Love a good Creevy. Ernie McMillan. Justin Finch Fletchley. What do we call it? Justin Nikhil Walker. Nikhil Alexander. <laughs> Justin Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Um I don't I'm not really there aren't that many omissions that I'm that surprised by, I guess. Am I missing someone important? No, I just wanted to Pick your brain on that. Yeah. Hermione gives her speech on 339. And then I guess what I'm asking is, did the meeting, did the course of the meeting kind of go how you were predicting? Or were you surprised by how much they wanted Harry to like specifically run through, did you do this and that, like the questions that they have for him? There was more, there was more of that than I expected. I guess naively I thought that most of the people there were coming to, to really learn defense against the dark arts. And I felt like the majority of them were actually there to just like, Hey, we're not sure what to believe. And we kind of want to believe you, but like you need to give us some details. Yeah. There's not, which I feel like is where I would be as a student. If I didn't know, you know, sure. That's fair. Like I like Harry. He's a good guy. I want to believe him, but like somebody's got to fill me in here. But I mean, even when Harry says on 341, if you're just here to hear me talk about Cedric, then just leave. Because I'm not going to do that. I get what he's saying about Cedric specifically, but the whole attitude of like, I've already said my piece and I don't need to explain myself any further, I think is the wrong way to look at it. Hopefully this like group will bring him out of that and hopefully he will see the benefits of like keeping people in the loop and be more open and honest than he has been. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a kind of a tightrope to walk because it's like, yeah, he needs to be more trusting, but can he just jump into trusting all of these people? Like who do you trust? Right. Right, because I mean that's true, like the Zachariah Smith guy, like I don't trust him. So I, I do get the skepticism. Yeah. 
Yeah, they, they. I mean, they do what you'd expect. They kind of run through everything that Harry did in the last four years. And Harry does his modest thing. You know, I had help with all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and then it gets down to brass tacks. Hermione's like, okay, so we're going to do this. And when are we going to meet? Where are we going to meet? And everyone's like, whenever we're not playing Quidditch? Yeah, everyone. Even though some of these Quidditch teams have like one person on them that are in the group. Like, are we going to schedule yeah. this entire thing around your one conflict? Right. Right. If it's Cho, we might. Harry's like, oh man, Ravenclaw Quidditch practice? Ah, dang it. No, we really want to try to make sure everyone can come. <laughs> so. We don't want anybody to miss out. No. So. No one. No child left behind. No child left no behind. No child left behind. No child. We here, at a muggle's perspective, are officially supporters of no child left behind. <laughs> I like on 345 when it just takes a turn and this just becomes Luna saying, well, Cornelius Fudge has his own private army of heliopaths. And we <laughs> yeah, just what get the like frick? a whole page of her being like, oh my freaking gosh, you're so dumb. <laughs> Don't Neville let her in here. Neville, you're impressionable. Don't listen to her. You can't just say things are things. Um, and I actually like Luna's response to all of it too. Just whatever, whatever Harry, uh, whatever Hermione just says anything like, "No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is." She's just well, but like, flat. no, it's not. Yeah. Um, where predict for me where they're going to hold these meetings because they haven't been able to figure it out yet. So the, I'm going to take this one out of my brother-in-law's book, Mitchell. He's had like kind of a qualm with these books in general. Like whenever they need to have secretive conversations and stuff, why do they not use the Chamber of Secrets more? Ooh, Which I think so is true. an excellent point. And this seems like the perfect place to hold said meetings. Okay, plenty of room. They definitely underutilize the Chamber of Secrets considering they know how to get in there. Yeah. Okay. I guess the argument would be the trauma that Harry experienced there and Ginny. Um, the rotting snake flesh, maybe? How long does snake flesh take to like dissipate? It's not like there's a lot of fresh air flowing through this room, though. It's a good point. And it's a Might lot be kind of nasty flesh. down there. Yeah, but I mean, you you can do magic. Seems like there's a spell for that. Yeah, yeah. Hermione knows the spell for that. Yeah. Okay, they're gonna do it in the Chamber of Secrets, Miles, beneath the school. Um, that pretty much just ends us with, uh, I think, three things. One, there's the thing where Hermione makes everyone sign a paper. Do we care about that? Um, did everyone sign? Did anyone? Well, it says when the last person, Zacharias, had signed. Yeah. So we are not told that anyone skipped out on it. I mean, that's uh, that's a big deal. Because, I mean, if this thing gets out and people, and they get caught, I mean, that document is pretty damning. Um, The other th two more things. One of them is... 
Ginny leaving with Michael Corner. Yeah, I didn't like that. That made um, you feel unhappy? You you no, felt I, for Ron there? Felt for Ron, and, you know, that's fine that Harry's having this little, having his fun with Cho. Um, you know, we've all been there, but we, we know who the soulmate is. We know who he's supposed to end up with, and so... You know, it's it's the it's written into the perfect love story where they they go and they have their separate relationships that don't work out, and then they find each other in the end. So I'm fine. It just kind of sucks to be in it right now. It's a real Ross and Rachel situation. Yeah. Yes, it is. <laughs> um, and then yeah, the other thing was just what Hermione says at the end. Well, Cho couldn't keep her eyes off you, could she? And then the best line. I think this is my favorite ending line of a chapter yet. Yeah. So, well, said Hermione, smiling slightly, she just couldn't keep her eyes off of you, could she? And then the next line is just, Harry had never be- never before appreciated just how beautiful the village of Hogsmeade was. <laughs> yeah, you just picture like a movie where like it's upbeat music playing, like I'm walking on sunshine, he's skipping down the streets. Yeah. yeah. Shaking hands with the guy, like tipping the hobo. He's like pointing the 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 two fingers yeah. like the Fonzie like hey you know yeah like he's feeling good yeah it's the boys are back in town yeah he runs that place a uh, couple do we cares here do we care about like you said um, the barman who yes. is like cleaning the glass with a dirtier rag than the glass <laughs> yeah which no one seems to care about everyone just buys their drinks and drinks out of it. Well, no one cares. Flitwick was like... Because it's the hog's head. Make sure you bring your own glass when you go to the hog's head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Can no, one, can no one get a clean rag? Can, like, it, I totally get the whole like, dirty bar thing, but there's still like sinks and soap. So can this I, seems like an effort to not be clean. Can I get a spell for that? I don't know. <laughs> so, but, but we care about the barman? Yeah, I think he was listening. I think he... Um, is an excellent candidate for like a spy. Sure. A death eater, probably. I mean, it's, you know, it's the kind of guy that can fly under the radar. Barman hears everyone's sob stories and you never think twice about, you know, saying whatever to the barkeeper. Right. Right. Uh, do we Absolutely. care? Do we care about the role the alcohol is playing here? Do we care about Ron being like, oh, I could just, I bet you they'd just sell me fire whiskey. I do care about that because every like 17 year old kid has said that at some point. So that was like, that was a fun little like, Oh, they are human. Yeah. Like you've been with your friends before and been like, I bet they wouldn't even ID me here. Like I bet I could buy a beer. Yeah. Have you, have we considered, Oh, I guess we talked about it a little bit with the house elves last book, but like butterbeer has some alcohol content. I forget that. And I don't really fully consider that. Dude, I I kind of read Hermione's like falling asleep in the chair with like a cup in her hand as like she maybe had a little too much butterbeer. Yeah, and I guess, you know, maybe she has a lower tolerance for it. What's what I mean? She's probably tiny and like... Yeah, Hermione, you know, she she keeps herself sculpted. No body fat. Like I I heard a story recently about... um, they were talking about what they eat on the Tour de France and how they're just like shoveling in like plain rice and stuff like that because it's just about getting yeah. carbs inside of your body. Sure. 
and like then, Michael Scott before the uh, like pro am fun run. <laughs> yes, I thought you were talking about just, Michael Phelps, like how he wow. actually would eat twenty thousand calories a day or whatever. But yes, like Michael Scott, he's got a carb up. Um, but I guess there's a tradition where right after, like the night at the end of the Tour de France, when they're all at the finish line, they all go to like this one certain bar and they all get champagne and like literally in one champagne flute, like they're all like raging drunk. Because oh, I'm sure. I mean, there's, you know, they've been sweating for however long and depriving themselves of anything like that, and they have absolutely yeah. no tolerance. And so it's like these big athletes that like take a sip of champagne and just start like, you know, singing the French <laughs> national anthem or whatever it is they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. So that Hermione's basically a professional cyclist. I think that's what we can all agree on after these chapters. Anything else that you're keeping your eye on that I have not mentioned? Or if we pretty much covered it? I'm just excited to see Ron become the keeper that I know he can be. Yeah, that'll be good. All right. Well, thank you guys well, one for... Thing, one oh, thing, hold okay. on, hold yeah, on. I'm holding. One thing that we didn't talk about is um, Filch accusing Harry of ordering dung bombs. Ooh, okay. Which isn't that big of a deal, but he said he got a tip about it, and Hermione seems to be thinking on that pretty hard. Like, I think there's an actual sentence in there that says, like, Hermione was lost in thought after this as yeah. they walked along or something to that effect. Yeah. So uh, that seemed like something I should care about because of that. Why? Well, okay, so care about it. What do you think? I think it was Umbridge. Umbridge was like, Filch, go check Harry Potter's mail. And he was like, why? And she was like, because he's ordering dung bombs. Yeah. I think that's exactly what happened. I think the entire goal of the ministry right now is to get Harry out of the way. And by doing that, either knowingly or unknowingly, isolating him to where Voldemort can get to him easier. Those are my final thoughts. And Filch is knowingly or unknowingly complicit. I would say unknowingly, but yeah, complicit. Okay. Well, if you have thoughts about Filch's completion in Harry getting moved out of the way for the ministry, if you have thoughts about Umbridge, which I know, dear listeners, you do, because you are Harry Potter fans, and Jacob, uh, please... Follow us on actually Jacob. I, Jacob is a Harry Potter fan. Let's not defame Jacob. If we're gonna defame anyone that is maybe Jacob, maybe quit screwing around it, and call in. Yeah, <laughs> Jacob's uh, gonna be here this weekend in Warsaw. Good. So. Tell him that I'm sick of the. I'm really fed up with the lack of calling in that he's okay. doing. Okay, I'll tell him. Um, I was just gonna say that I don't want to defame Jacob. Jacob actually does listen and actually is a Harry Potter fan. It's Eric that I want to say doesn't listen isn't a harry potter fan so <laughs> we had we had a running joke for years whenever he would say something about harry potter i'd be like have have you you've read the books or <laughs> and like he had he like he absolutely did read the books and i knew it but i would always pretend to forget it because he like you know he's not me he doesn't have encyclopedic knowledge of it so it's, sure it's, maybe it's the one area where i was smarter than eric but it's fine um please follow us on facebook and instagram uh, rate review five star. I feel like we haven't talked about that as much lately. Leave a dope review. 
I've there's other podcasts that do a thing where if you leave like a five star review, then and ask a question in it, then we'll like do it. It's like a mailbag, like we'll answer the question on here. Yeah, I would love that. You can try that. I will if you are doing that. Then I will consider checking the reviews on a regular basis and figuring out how to do that. That would be fun. Um, howl in, howl at us, Jacob, Chad. Um, it might feel like you haven't heard any howlers in a while, but I promise you, you will. We actually will probably backdate it. So there's no point in telling you that. Because if you howl in after hearing this episode, then you will have already heard the howler full episode. You know what I'm saying? Because we'll put that out before this. Anyway, howl in. Let us know what you're thinking. We'd love to hear it. Nine, okay, nine, seven, nine, eight. seven, eight, seven, six, eight, Potter, zero. Nine seven eight seven six eight eighty three seventy eighty three seven eight three seven zero. Okay. Yep. Just look at the letters on your phone and type in nine seven eight Potter zero. Leave us a message. Support us Alrighty. on Patreon. Patreon dot com slash Muggles Perspective. Uh, we did recently get. Okay, let's see here. Did I already announce who the new patron was? Did I tell you? Did you uh, know we had a new patron? I thought you said it last episode, but... Okay, well, let's do it again. Um, we have a new $5 patron, J.S. Adido. <laughs> J.S., thank you very much. Again, if we haven't already... Or not again, if I haven't already talked about it. Oh, we really appreciate it. It helps us keep doing what we're doing. Helps us eventually send Brayden to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. And that's very eventual, but hey, you got to start somewhere. Thank you to editor Jess and producer Jeremy. Thank you to Rachel. No thank you to Hannah. Um, Anyone else? Thank you, Andrew Luck, for all that you did and for quitting two weeks before the season. Andrew Luck, and I cannot stress this strongly enough, come on the pod. Please. I would have to think he's a big Harry Potter fan, and that would be freaking awesome. I know for a fact he's a big Game of Thrones fan. So, I mean, you please, know, Andrew fantasy. Luck. Please, Andrew Luck, come on the pod. Andrew Luck, come on the pod. We'd, right. love, we'd love to see it. Thanks, guys. See you.